Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from those and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. What hindered Zacchaeus? So the question, what hinders you? What, what hindered Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus? He was small. He was short. Okay? Reminds me of that uh, funeral message that we did for Jan. I still remember that. Ron shared with me, Jan was four foot what? Ten? Four foot eight. And after they, shortly after they were married, he's in the military, and she goes overseas to see him. And as she gets over there, the first thing that she says isn't, hi, Ron, I love you, or anything like that. She says, I shrunk another eighth of an inch or something, <laughs> half inch. Okay, so sometimes we get a little complex, right? Our height might give us a complex. What hinders him from seeing Jesus was, well, his height. What hinders Jesus, a different question was, what hinders Jesus from coming to seek and to save the lost? And first one I want you to think about, what hinders Jesus from seeking the lost? I want to say, nothing. Nothing hinders him. Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 2, would even take on flesh and go to the cross to suffer shame, to become a servant, just so he could seek you out in order to save you. There is nothing he wouldn't go through to make you part of his family. I think we hear that so much, we just don't even smile at the thought of that. Does that not fill you with joy that God Almighty would do anything to make you His again, you who don't deserve it? That's just amazing. But what hinders Jesus from saving us? And of course, you know that Bible verse. I just want to share it with you again. That verse... From Matthew chapter 23, it says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as, hen, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. What hinders Jesus from seeking us? Nothing. He seeks us who are lost to make us found. And he's done that. Thanks be to God. But what hinders from saving is we will not. Or not so much we, but we can probably all come up with someone that we don't even have to go outside of our own family who is not willing, who does not want the salvation that God gives for a variety of reasons. What I want you to think about today is what hinders you. Not so much what hinders God, but what hinders you. And for us, Zacchaeus was, Jesus is seeking us to save us. Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus because he wanted to see him. But I want you to think of what Psalm 119 says. Psalm 119 verse 2 says this, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. We were talking about that a little bit today in our Bible class. Seeking Jesus with all of our hearts. 
And I just laid out something. So if I seek Jesus with all my heart, that means I'm not seeking just the stuff he can give me or how he can take care of me or my own uh, status in life, whether I'm healthy or sick, whether I'm powerful or have no power at all. It's not so much that. It's seeking Jesus so that we can enjoy time with him. Enjoy his character. Our God who is almighty, all-knowing for you, faithful, trustworthy, merciful, benevolent. What keeps us from seeking him with all of our heart? You're really quiet today. What, what keeps us? I, I would say one thing is priorities. Like, yeah, but Jesus, I've got a whole bunch of other things to do. And if I get a chance to get to you sometime today, I'll make sure to put you on my list. You're like number 14. <laughs> Does that ever happen in your life? Like, he's on the to-do list. He's there every day. We just never seem to get there. There's other things that are just more important than actually enjoying time with him. Or some of us, we might say, because if you look at, at what may have gotten Zacchaeus, you know, kept him from seeing Jesus, could have been who he was. Because he's this chief tax collector. So he's not just a tax collector. He's the chief one. He's got other ones underneath him. And remember, what drives a tax collector? Money. Okay? I live for the bucks. Because I've lost all of my friends in the Jewish family because I'm a despised tax collector. I've chosen not family, not friends, not relationships, not meaningful life. I've chosen money over all those different things. And so, would you let that person through? Would you help them to get what they want to get? Maybe those Jews weren't too interested in opening the gates for him to come through and see Jesus. I wonder if any of us come to church thinking about all the stuff we've got, and it's like, why would Jesus want to spend time with me? And maybe we let guilt and shame keep us from seeking Jesus with our whole heart. Maybe priorities, maybe busyness, maybe it's just our habits. I haven't established good habits, you know. I've got, I've got all sorts of bad habits. Do you have any bad habits? <laughs> so a couple of you out there have some bad habits. And so if you've got some bad habits, is it hard to change those bad habits? Yeah, I find the same thing is really difficult for me to change those bad habits. And so maybe you've established habits over time that just seeking Jesus isn't a part of your life. Or another one that comes from the book, The Pursuit of Holiness. And I just thought this was interesting as I thought of myself. Let's see. Thomas, would you come up just for a second? Just come up. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on Thomas. All right. So, as, as Thomas comes up here, I'm just going to have a little question for you. Okay? Now, I've got a robe on, so you really can't see. But one of us is soft. Who would you guess that is? <laughs> one of us is soft. Who do you think it might be? Pastor's right. Okay, you can go back. Okay, so 
Listen to this just for a second. Materialism wars against our souls in a twofold manner. Materialism wars against us. First, it makes us discontent and envious of others. I want what they have. Second, it leads us to pamper and indulge our bodies so that we become soft and lazy. As we become soft and lazy in our bodies, we tend to become soft and lazy spiritually. When Paul talked about making his body his slave so that after having preached to others, he himself would not be disqualified, he was not thinking about physical disqualification, but spiritual. He knew well that physical softness inevitably leads to spiritual softness. I really enjoy indulging myself way too much to my shame. When the body is pampered and indulged, the instincts and passions of the body tend to get the upper hand and dominate our thoughts and our actions. We tend to not to do not what we should do, but what we want to do as we follow the cravings of our sinful nature. There is no place for laziness and indulgence of the body in a disciplined pursuit of holiness. We have to learn to say no to the body instead of continually giving in to its momentary desires. We tend to act according to our feelings. The trouble is, we seldom feel like doing what we should do. We don't feel like getting out of bed to have our morning time with God or doing Bible study or praying or anything else that regards serving others when I'm focused on indulging myself. That is why we have to take control of our bodies and make them our servants instead of our masters. It's kind of like when I was spending time with people this week And I ask them, in the middle of your distress, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of all the things that are going on, and there's all these voices in your head just bombarding you, all these voices, are you strong enough to speak into those voices? Or do you just let them resound? Do you speak in and say, that's not right? Those thoughts, like for me, you know me long enough, those thoughts of worthlessness, when I blow it and do something that I shouldn't do, whatever, all of those, the chorus of thoughts come in, worthless, worthless, worthless. But can I speak into that and say, that's not true. And you know, when I spend time with you, I'm hearing that you're doing it more and more. I have young people at Concordia that do it more and more. And I'm always astounded because at that age, I didn't know what in the world I was doing. Which is kind of true for even today sometimes, sad to say. So the question, what hinders you from seeking Jesus with all your heart? (laughs) Are you a little soft like your pastor? I did have a roommate in college that he was the Pillsbury Doughboy. I could actually... Push him right in. <laughs> and he would even make the noise, which is okay. So that's kind of what I'm getting to now. Some of you aren't old enough to know what that is about, but look it up on YouTube. You can find it, I'm sure. What hinders us not only from seeking after Jesus, but do you notice that when Jesus came into Zacchaeus' life, everything changed? Isn't that awesome? His life was completely changed. This man who lived for what? Money. Now, what did he do with his money? Gave it all away. Gave half of it away. Paid back fourfold. He did what the law said to do and above what the law said to do. 
So I have another question. What hinders you from changing? What hinders you from changing? And I would say, when I was going through uh, Concordia in Seward, Nebraska, they had us read some books on family systems. Now, some of you have read on family systems, and it's really interesting. So let's say we have a family of like four people, let's say five, and one of them really acts out. So you take that one and you put them in some counseling and you get them all taken care of and they're all quote-unquote healed. And then you put them back into the family. You know what they do? They go right back to what they were doing before. You know why? They're part of the system. Whenever I go home and I spend time with my dad, if I don't tease him and do my normal stuff, he's like, what's wrong with you? Okay? Are you part of any systems right now that if you wanted to change, that that system would work desperately hard to keep you from changing? When I talk to people who struggle with addiction, let's say addiction to drinking, let's just use that one for today. There's lots of addictions, okay? Let's just use that one. If you have that addiction and then you get help, but you go back to your same friends again, is it easy to go back to the drinking? It really is, actually. Oftentimes, those who have those addictions and then they get out of it, they have to develop a whole new friend and core group because, again, those friends. So the question is, as you seek to seek Jesus more and more with your whole heart, as you seek to have some changes in your life, what system or what people are keeping that from happening? And do you have to make some hard changes? Or how about from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I have two gentlemen that I've been talking to and working with, and they both struggle with pornography. And they've been struggling for a long time. One of them said he's been struggling with it for half his life. It's a long time. And so I, so I said after a little while, are you simply trying to adjust your behavior, or are you trying to adjust your mindset? One of them said both. The other one said, huh, I've never thought about my thoughts. Guess what I want you to think about? Your thoughts. What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking about? What consumes your mind? And are you letting those things in without speaking in return and saying, wait a second, this is what's true. Just for fun, I, I asked one of them to say, you know, because those wrong thoughts come into mind and those fantasies come into the mind, and I just said, whatever thought comes in your mind, that fantasy comes into your mind, just picture that girl and then have her look straight at you and say, <laughs> I'd spend time with you? Oh, you've got to be kidding me. To get past the idea that this is a good thing. 
What do you have to fight against? What do you need to change? And what's hindering you from a new way of thinking? Do you know what allowed Zacchaeus to think a new way? Jesus sought him. Jesus went to him. Jesus enjoyed a meal with him. And when you enjoy a meal with someone in those days, you know what that says? I accept you. How many of you come today, and I hope you all been with me long enough. There's a couple of brand new people here, so you don't know me at all. But <laughs> the rest of you know me well enough. I hope you know that I can stand before you today and say, you know what? You are completely accepted by Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross, you are completely right with God. Done, finished, Jesus said from the cross. What words? It is finished for you. Done. Loved, accepted. Do you know what? Your mindset cannot be changed because the Holy Spirit lives within you. You are no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. What hinders you? Nothing. Amen? Amen. Amen.